it can be a pretty confusing read. Um, you know, even Gideons who kind of put Bibles in hotels and stuff, they don't just put the Bible there. They've also got their sort of cover notes, and if you feel this, go and look at this, and so on. Um, so sometimes, you know, people... As people, I think we often like to uh, to come up with simple answers to complicated things, and the Bible is quite complicated, um, some parts of it anyway. So to just say, well, you know, it's inspired by God, go away and read it and do it, isn't always the most helpful thing for people to do. And, you know, as I touched on, I was talking the other week, the, you know, those two disciples on the road to Emmaus were in a similar situation. You know, they had all of the Jewish scriptures available to them, uh, and, you know, they'd been with Jesus, and they heard all this stuff, but it just didn't make sense. They didn't understand what was going on. Uh, and it was only when Jesus came and actually walked with them that, you know, he kind of showed them how the Bible was, was revealing well, him uh, and what was going on. And so it needed Jesus to kind of uh, to help them to actually make sense of, of what the Bible was, uh, was doing and saying in, in all that had been going on. And like I say, for them that was the Old Testament scriptures, but it's the same for us with both of them. So in the same kind of way, at the end of the day, we all need Jesus through the Holy Spirit with us, helping us to, to understand what it is that God's trying to say to us today through particular bits of, uh, of scripture. And, uh, and that's what this is trying to say. So... Uh, Jesus with us now in our own messy situations uh, helps us to understand um, what God might be saying to us today through what he's said to, to people in the past. And there's a uh, you know, big tradition of, uh, of engaging with scripture in that way and that's kind of what we're going to do a little bit later on. Um, so this is this is my attempt to illustrate a monastery <laughs> doing Lectio Divina. So, you know, imagine a situation, many of the monks are not literate. You know, the only scripture you ever hear is the scripture that's read in communal worship. Um, and so, you know, one common pattern of, of engaging with it would be, you know, they'd read the passage for today, you know, maybe read it a couple of times, and it's up to the monk then to remember the bit that sticks in their mind and go away to their cell and to, to chew it over. Now, so we depend on Jesus helping us to understand what it, God's trying to say to us now. But it's also true that, you know, whenever you read anything, whenever you hear anything, you don't do it in a vacuum. Um, you're doing it in the context of, you know, other people who've looked at it and, you know, there's all kind of other resources to use. And, you know, so we all have our own particular perspectives on life, on the world, on the Bible, on scripture. Um, to say that we don't have any, you know, we don't bring any particular view or expectation to it is really just kind of kidding ourselves. You know, we all, we all come from somewhere. And, um, you know, that's just the way it is. And uh, there's lots that's good in our traditions, lots of richness, also lots of diversity. Uh, the only time I think it really does get unhelpful is that, you know, if a particular, you know, why are there so many different denominations, for example? <laughs> uh, quite often it's questions about, you know, in some sense, doctrine at some point. Uh, so, 
you know, particular checklists of things that um, they have understood the Bible to be saying or that, you know, within their tradition of otherwise being adopted as being official and required. And when you get to the point where you can't even have a conversation with someone who has a different viewpoint, then I think we're in a difficult place. So to say, I think, you know, so the, the not good part of this is, is where we don't just wrestle with what we think the Bible's saying to us today, but we cross that line into pride, I suppose, and assume that we've got the answer and, uh, and it's the only way to engage with it, the only way to understand those things. Now, meanwhile, almost at the other end of the spectrum, um, there is, for example, a more sort of academic tradition of, of working with the Bible. You know, if you did a theology degree, um, you don't have to be a Christian, you don't have to believe in God. Um, you can, you know, do it, treat it like history. You know, stuff happens, people talk about it, they pass it on. Uh, someone decides at some point that something's important enough to write down and they're doing it in some situation for some particular audience and uh, and then they might look then at, okay well how did that original you know paul presumably only wrote his letter once but then people thought oh that's great and they made lots of copies and then it got discussed and passed around eventually things got assembled in in a bible as we understand it now you know we ended up with this thing so you know, without God involved at all, you know, people wrestle with this and ideas about, you know, did this happen or did that happen and how did this, you know, particular bit of the text get to us? Um, and on its own, that's obviously a, a pretty dry and a pretty godless experience. But there is a way of, of sort of bringing the two sides of the coin together. And I guess that's what we try and do generally. Um, there are people who you know, because they see the godlessness of that kind of wrestling with what was going on, try and take it to the other extreme. And they say, you know, it's kind of, you know, God literally dictated every word. That's more the sort of Muslim view, for example, of, of the Quran. And um, in the last thousand years or so, at least, also a Jewish view of uh, a lot of the Old Testament, um, that it was, you know, literally dictated word for word as the, as the word of God. But... Um, that sort of seems like an attractively simple way of looking at things, but it does leave you, if you do really read every word of the Bible, with a lot of very difficult questions um, about, like, for example, um, can women be leaders in churches? Do you have to wear head coverings? Are you allowed to eat pork? Uh, and so on. And things get more difficult, perhaps, as you go on to questions about what happens when I die and is there a literal hell? And, was God really ordering the Israelites to massacre all the people in the Promised Land and so on? So, what we can do, and this is, I guess, what generally we try and do, is to take some of the insight from that sort of more academic thing that says, you know, there really were things happening. Paul was a person, you know, he had a particular upbringing and character. Uh, and he had this encounter with God and so on. And he was writing a letter in a particular context of the Roman Empire to some group of believers. And it has come down to us not literally. You know, it's not the original document he wrote. It's been translated and it's been, you know, um, copied through, through various centuries. So it's not impossible that the, the odd change got made in there and we're reading it in some context. But nonetheless, 
all the way through that, more than anything, the Bible is, uh, is the best account we have of God's work in the world. Um, so God was, we would claim, argue, believe, uh, working in those situations, you know, so for example, well, literally, uh, as uh, embodies as Jesus in, uh, in that sort of New Testament setting, but even in the Old Testament in relationship with the, the Israelites. So God was inspiring people then. Uh, I don't personally think God dictated Paul's letter to Paul. I think Paul wrote Paul's letter um, with a certain set of things in mind and God was inspiring in him and he was trying to you know, bring to it what he thought God was trying to say to the Philippians in the context of the Roman Empire. And we trust that, uh, you know, through history, God has also helped to inspire those who have been preserving those letters and copying them and bringing them together. And we trust our translators to be inspired as well. And at least to some extent, we trust those within our tradition who help us to kind of engage with it, interpret it. And of course, God is, you know, as we would say, um, what is the creator of all things? He sustains all things. So he's also at work um, in all kinds of ways across the whole of that picture that ends up with us getting this nicely packaged unit. So, yeah, so here we are for Paul, Philippians that we're looking at now. So, um, you know, you can read as much of the academic debate as you like, but there really was a place called Philippi, um, and it's, it does seem entirely reasonable to think that Paul did plant a church there. And he was at some point, not entirely sure, but round about 60 AD in a prison, writing them a letter. Um, you know, we can take a lot of these things at reasonably close to face value, but he's writing it in the context of the Roman Empire, and that makes a big difference to how you read it, for example. You know, this thing about, um, probably said this before, you know, this, the statement, Jesus is Lord, is a very political statement because. What, it, what you're doing is exactly not saying Caesar is Lord. You know, so the standard greeting in the Roman Empire is, you know, Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord. You know, so think about the Nazi regime, Nahal Hitler, it's something similar. Uh, so to say Jesus is Lord in the Roman Empire is, is, has a very particular sort of political um, overtone to it. Uh, and people have found that letter helpful, and it got copied and passed around, and we've ended up, you know, with nth generation copies, which are, you know, probably not ex precisely, but pretty close to what Paul wrote in this particular case. And then we depend, as I said at the beginning, we can bring all of that kind of, uh, you know, human insight, if you like, to it, but we also depend ultimately on the Holy Spirit now to help us, you know, navigate that and work out what it is that, you know, in that process of different kinds of inspiration, God's also, we hope, inspiring us. And I've been reading um, two or three books recently by a chap called Bradley Jerzak, who um, has an interesting theological journey, grew up fairly fundamentalist evangelical, and he's now um, a priest in the Orthodox Church. And uh, he's you know, kind of been on a, a process, talks about how he's, you know, through, through that process, he's wrestled with a sort of moving from a fairly fundamentalist reading of, of the Bible to um, something which is less so. And the way that he's 
trying to, I, I think, trying to maintain some of the sort of rigor, if you like, in coming to the Bible that's part of that sort of evangelical tradition um, uh, is to say, okay, well, like with that Emmaus Road thing, um, Jesus is our reference point. And so, you know, if we're, if we're having trouble working out what this might mean and, and, you know, how to square the circle of all these kind of sometimes contradictory things, then, well, we've got Jesus in history, you know, as God himself becoming human. And so that's our best place to go and look to see what God is like. Uh, Obviously, most of the information we have about that is, is packaged up in the, in the Bible as we have it now. Um, and then we're also depending on Jesus now to help us to, to interpret and understand it. And, um, you know, so even though we do bring our own, or inevitably our own sort of perspectives to it, um, keep coming back to, to kind of what might be a Jesus perspective on it. Now, as we, um, I've, I've put copies of the last couple of slides. There are, in, a, in a bit, when you do the Bible bit, you'll get the passages. I've put copies of the last couple on there in case that's helpful for you. Um, now, you know, like I said about the uh, you know, message of respect earlier on, you don't have to agree with me about, you know, kind of every aspect of interpreting the Bible. I won't necessarily agree with you, but, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, for me, this is, this is, you know, I've been on a, you know, in some ways a similar journey, but this is kind of where I'm at, trying to um, take the Bible very seriously as the inspired word of God and Jesus as Lord. Um, But that doesn't have to mean that, you know, you take every word literally and uh, and indeed there are some um, you know there are various ways of square you know trying to square that um, but but I think this is this is a good one. <laughs>